Joel, welcome back to the Invisible Path, man. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Do you need to get that? <laughs> the squeaking door? No, I'm yeah. good. I've got an old cat in my lap right now. He's oh, heck his, yes. his name is Monkey, and uh, so he might let out a a terrifying old cat meow <laughs> at some point, but he oh, we could only hope. No, don't don't try to get him in. It's fine. He's fine. Yeah, monkeys. My, yeah, my wife's like, "Are you sure you want him in your lap?" It's like, "Yeah, monkey's gonna go along for the ride." Heck here. yeah. So heck yeah. Um, yeah. He wants. Oh. He just wants affection all the time. That's all he wants. So That's he's very fair, persistent man. with it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's amazing. We all really like if you yeah. think about it right that's what we all want we all want affection all the time that's what we're yeah. that's like what is motivating us to do most of the things we do whether we realize it or not yeah he's just unfiltered he just doesn't care like <laughs> yeah. what you're doing something i don't care let's do this right now all the time so <laughs> so i honor that in his uh in his advanced years here so yeah. that's probably what's keeping him alive so long yeah so, absolutely yeah yeah, it's a it. There's that there's that Tim Ferriss is probably four hour body, but maybe it wasn't four hour body. I don't know. I feel like four hour body was the one that I, I spent the most time with, uh, where he talks about the. I think it's an island of Japan where there's the a remarkably long lifespan, and there's like three factors, which is essentially like having a life purpose, having having someone you love, and something else eating real food probably but i don't remember what it actually was the one that always stuck with me was having a purpose because i do think that you can see as as that like purpose goes away right uh, how how quickly people's mental capacities decline and um everybody has this like super dream of oh i want to retire when i'm 30 and i wonder I wonder for a lot of people if that would actually be true, if they would be two months in and they would hate their lives more than they can possibly imagine with nothing to actually proactively do. And I wonder how many people would be in that situation would then completely take the idea of retirement out and just do things all the time that are that could be done for for financial reward that they're now doing in exchange for for not financial reward. Yeah. So, so to take this back to, to the blue zones, which you mentioned, which are these areas where there's a lot of longevity and, and to retirement to bring those two things together, they say that the two most dangerous days of your life are the day that you're born and the day that you retire. And so, because they're both a crisis in a sense for yeah. some, for some people. I mean, if, uh, if, if you don't know what the heck you're going to do and you've you've lived your whole life uh, going through the motions in some sort of job, whatever, and that's really all you have going on and you don't have that purpose, as you, as you mentioned, um, that's a real crisis. And so yeah. what a damn shame, but that can happen to people. And so <laughs> um, let's not let's not do that let's find something better to do and find some kind of purpose and some sort of thing to do even if it's yeah. uh maybe uh, trivial or maybe even mundane but if it if it floats your boat and if it motivates you then why not right yeah purpose could be defined in so many ways right it's like 
whatever it is, if it has meaning to you, as long as there's meaning left in something to you, it, it can really drive you and it can really motivate you. And it really can't be mundane, right? Like yeah. it, 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 the, from, the, from an outside subjective perspective, something, something may feel mundane, but if a person is really deeply motivated by the thing that they're doing, if it's sweeping the floor, remarkable. Yeah. I knew, yeah, I knew you were going to take it to some kind of Zen place. Yeah, like the, the butcher the butcher whose knife never uh, becomes dull because he is so swift and, and yeah. uh, adept at at uh, moving that blade through the joints and not uh, not over yeah. the bone. So, okay, so let's jump into <laughs> yeah. a a quick question, which is a deep question. We had a bunch of questions this week, but I, I only did this one. Um, came in from I don't know I apologize for whoever this came from but I did not write your name down so most apologies on the upfront side uh, the question is there are some profoundly strange things going on in the world right now what does the future look like to you is it better or worse if it's worse is there anything we can do as individuals and I assume to make it better <laughs> I, I don't know. I, so, so that was my. Right? That's why. That's, that's an why easy I did question. this. My question. My answer was also, man, I don't know. It, it is a. It's hard to know what can be done as individuals, aside from, uh, reframing the way you you're viewing things. I think there is a. There's a. There is a, desire right now to divide and an intellectual uh, approach to things, right? As we, as we, our mind is really designed for dissecting and analyzing things. And um, if we take away uh, division and, and it, you start to look at solutions as all encompassing um, and you start to view your perspectives as uh universal or or really truly truly combining um i think there is there is something to that there there's there's a necessity for that now that it really feels like there's a necessity for that so the my answer is i have no idea but i do think that when you t when we are looking at the problems that are affecting things right now if your solution is uh, involves dividing it is very unlikely that we're going to get to a better place absolutely so so we it's such a tricky thing because we're we're always looking for the risks we're looking for the tiger in the bushes and and that keeps us alive and so the tiger in the bushes today are these like like Nassim Taleb talks about this in Anti-Fragile. I mean, you have these like high risk, low probability black swan type events. Um, we have like up uh, west of Seattle a little bit, there's uh, the Trident nuclear submarine base with something like 1,200 nuclear warheads. Mm. Um, so, so we have like risks like that. Then we have... Uh, CRISPR, which is democratizing um, the ability to cook up any kind of organism you want, if you have maybe five grand worth of lab equipment and a garage, and um, 
and maybe access to YouTube or something to learn how to do this. It's yeah. so, so that that's a terrifying high risk, maybe low probability, but like high stakes event. There are all these things like that, but then you have, then you have all of these good things happening as well. Um, the, I mean, the ability for these technologies to be used to, to wipe us out versus to advance us forward. It's, uh, it's just a stunning thing. Like looking at that risk versus reward. Um, I mean, one thing I think about also is that we are like, we're living in a time that has been remarkably stable. I think in a lot of ways, if you're living in like the developed or Western world, I mean, we had, you know, the end of, since the end of world war two till now, it's just been a period of incredible growth and and stability for a lot of a lot of people on the planet and that is i would say probably an unusual thing and maybe an anomaly and so if things do get a little bit uh wonky uh do you think on all that humans are good or bad and maybe it's the collective actions of all of us that really are going to spell out the future and and what that holds for us Mm -hmm. in this great drama and it's hard to know like are we in control of this thing is it Mm -hmm. is it destiny is it free will like what is it exactly (laughs) we're gonna find out i suppose it's up to each of us i suppose to to at least pretend maybe like we like we play a part in it and we should probably play a, an okay part in it or at least not a bad part yeah yeah i think i think that yeah if you if you can if you can reduce your individual negative impact on the the world around you um you can certainly make a an impact i mean there is no doubt and i think so you did a beautiful job of getting us there. Uh, this is the topic this week. This, the, the topic this week is free will. Um, so I want to ask you, you kind of, we, you just touched on this pretty, pretty deeply anyway, but um, what is, Joel, what is free will? You know, this, I think this was your, <laughs> this was your episode you, idea, yes. not mine. Why am I, why am I answering your question? <laughs> No, okay, kidding. let me let just me kidding. ask you so hang on. Way. Joel, what is free will to you? No, hang on, hang on, hang on. What what I want to get to first though is it's free will versus what? Right? Is it versus fate? Is it versus like us just having essentially no no free will yeah. and no control? Yeah. Um it, it and it does seem a bit like a false dichotomy, right? It's an interesting thing, this whole question of free will. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. And um, if I answered the whole thing in the, in this first question, then we'd be done. Right. <laughs> so we can't do that because clearly I have the answer. I'm just, I'm just hiding it. Um, no, just, so, so I'm trying to think back to like my first memories of this in childhood. Like when you first mentioned this as a, as, as something we should explore, I thought back to uh, my parents taking me and my brother to like a Chinese restaurant in, in Michigan in the Midwest. And it had this paper, 
you'd have this paper placemat in front of you and it was the Chinese Zodiac. Yep. And there were these 12 animals and you'd look for your birth date and, and there it was, I'm the snake. And the snake uh, is, I, I took some notes on it. I went, I looked back, I found what I remember <laughs> to be the original, uh, the original placemat for my childhood on, on the old interwebs. So the snake, wise, intense, vain, attracted to physical beauty, high-tempered, and then the boar is your enemy, and then, I don't know, the rat or whatever is you know, yeah. who you should marry, right? So like implanted from early childhood was this, this thought that, that maybe you're not really in control of, uh, of who you are, what your temperaments are. And maybe it's all faded on something as arbitrary as what year you were born in. And, and that's, yeah. that's sort of a, it's an absurd thing. Um, but, but it is interesting to examine how much control you actually have and, and what parts of you are impulsive and maybe where, and maybe to, to think about at some point in your life, where do those impulses come from? Mm. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I think there's some, some really interesting things that you started there. Um, I've, also, I've also discovered that this is a very, very sensitive topic for people. And it's interesting because it feels like such a benign uh, idea to me, immaculately important, but, but also uh, I, I can't find the controversy within it. So I'm not even smart enough, capable enough to capable enough to know where I should be like delicate and sensitive. So, um, I just like, I want, I, I, I do not understand how this is a sensitive topic and therefore I don't have the capability of being sensitive about it. So I'll, I'll just like preemptively apologize for however I have offended you just know that I'm not attempting to, to offend anyone. It's just that I don't understand it. Um, but I also think the topic of free will, like deeply and fully digs in and explains the depths of the things that are like actively tearing the, the fabric of society apart right now. So I think it's an important, like on one hand, I'm like, Hey, this topic is super important and, um, super valuable. And on the other hand, I'm like, but I don't understand how it's sensitive at all. And I understand that mm -hmm. there is a broken dichotomy of ideas there that, that cannot really be integrated. But um, that is kind of where my start point is. So I have realized in thinking about this, this topic pretty deeply. Um, and like I mentioned last time when we, when we did post-show and we were kind of talking about what we were going to talk about is I, I've brought this up in previous um, conversations on the podcast and people have been very, like, very sensitive to talk about it. So I'm, I'm grateful that, that you are. Um, but what I've realized is this idea of free will. If, if, I, can, if, I, can get, if I can get this, uh, my understanding uh, out to the world, which is not something I normally do with these podcasts. Like normally with these podcasts, I'm just like exploring things. So this is very different and that I'm actually trying, like I actively want to, to have people understand this, this thought process that I have because I think it's really valuable and that, that's unique for the, for the podcast. Uh, but what I've realized is it is a meta theory. And um, I'll explain my version of meta theory because I, I don't have a, 
I don't know what actual meta theories are. I never looked that, that up. But for me, a meta theory is something that um, can explain, essentially provide answers for all relevant applications so that anything I apply this to, it, it, will, it will logically explain where we are and, and what's going on in the world. And I think, you know, what's interesting is all of those astrology and human design and uh, the Chinese zodiac, like all of those things are, are essentially uh, a, t- a topic that we've had, which is the fourth turning generational, generational ideologies. These are, these are all components of, of um, an explanation that free will does not exist, right? That there, there, it, there are mm-hmm. things beyond our capacity that are, that are determining things. So as you called out, like we need to like explain that free will is not fatalism, right? Like, w- you know, do you, let's see if we want to get there yet. Let's not get there quite yet. So, so I, I'll <laughs> say choice exists, right? We know choice mm-hmm. exists. So we, we have the ability to make choice. There's no way we can say, oh, if I just stopped doing anything right now, all the exact same things in the future would happen because there is no other path for things to happen. That is, that is not uh, what free will is, is saying in any way. That's what fatalism is saying. And um, I don't, I, I, I would say if you really believe that, like go sit in a chair and do nothing and see how long that lasts for you. Like how long could you really do nothing before your body was like, ah, oh, we're going to do something now. Some, something's going to happen. Um, but these, these meta theories are, are really important. So um, I want to ask, do you have any, do you have any experience with, with really important meta theories in, in your world, in your life or, or my version of meta theory? Probably not. <laughs> when I think about what, first of all, I cannot wait to get to what you're, uh, what you're holding back on. This sounds <laughs> juicy. It sounds uh, controversial. So I can't wait. So when I think about, when I think about this, this concept um, of free will also, I mean, I think back to like the, the Greek and the Roman gods, they have like this pantheon of all these deities and, and they represent um, different psychological states, um, war, lust, greed, all these different things. And today we think of gods as, as external, right? You have a, it, the, the Christian God or whatever, right? So he's up above the clouds or whatever in a, yep. in a golden throne. And, but you could also look at, you could also think of gods as maybe something that possesses you. And maybe this is a, like even the, I think back to like the, the kind of classical Russian conception of, of love and how they thought of, there's one way to look at, look at love, which is that it is a, it's not necessarily a good thing or something to be desired because it is a all consuming possession of you. And so in the same way, you know, these, these Greek and Roman gods, it's, it's sort of the same thing. Are you really, there was some sort of acknowledgement there that you're not always in charge. There's some sort of possession that can come over you and having some sort of refined awareness of that is probably a good thing that, you have within you these 
impulses to run, to hide, to club something or someone over the head, to grab as many resources as you can, to do whatever. There are, there are all these different impulses that are both informed by you know, evolutionary biology, by like deep cellular memory, and then also by more recent things, you know, potentially uh, trauma in your family line, trauma in your own childhood to, to get it more recent. And, and so, so the question of free will, it's not this black and white thing. It is really a mixture. It's, it's probably like a conscious battle that we all have to engage in. Uh, or not engage in, and then we can just sit around, like you say, and just wait and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so, so maybe that's maybe that's my meta meta theory for this. So I'm super excited about this um, because I'm going to actually take the position that the entire concept, like the concept of free will itself, doesn't even make sense in our universe. So we are going to have, we're going to have a, a differing perspective, which I think is going to be going to be fun. Um, and I'm excited about that. <clears throat> oh man. So, so I want to dip back into really quickly into this meta theory thing, because there are two meta theories. One you've already mentioned, that's really important to me. Um, two meta theories. One is human physiology. And um, the interesting thing about human physiology is once you understand human physiology, once you understand the application of how our body moves and works and how the parts kind of integrate, um, you can essentially teach any type of movement. So if you understand human physiology, if you understand how the mechanics of the body works, you can teach yoga, you can teach powerlifting, you can teach gymnastics, you can teach CrossFit. Like you can teach any type of movement practice because you understand what is important in, in movement of the body. So you don't have to under, like, I don't have to understand powerlifting to teach somebody powerlifting because I understand how the body works. And that, that like, once you understand that this overarching, this overarching capsule of how things work, then it explains all of the lower subsets. And you mentioned, um, evolutionary biology, which is such a fascinating subject. And it's how this idea of, uh, it's how this idea of free will really kicked off to me. So I, I sat down and I was, I was talking to this PhD who is working with the UN uh, on human rights. And we started talking about her perspective of, of the solution here. And it, it turned out that her perspective, her starting point, the place that she w grounded all of her thoughts and ideas from came from a place that did not take into consideration biology. And she, I, I, I asked, right, because, because evolutionary biology was used to be called evolutionary psychology and had to be changed to evolutionary biology because evolutionary psychology got so wrapped up in broken ideas that didn't make any sense and were not actually a part of evolutionary biology or psychology that the the name of the study was or the name of the 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 name of the field was ruined to the point that it had to be rebranded so I, I started asking her about, about biology, right? And um, how, if we start with this idea that all humans across the board are exactly the same, that is counterintuitive to everything we know about biology. And 
we, I could get her there on every animal that wasn't human, which I thought was really fascinating. And then I also, she followed it up with a dismissive. Also, I've never taken a biology class to which there, there are two inputs in, in things, right? The question of nature versus nurture is uh, a logical fallacy because we cannot possibly, there is nothing that can possibly exist that doesn't have nature, right? We cannot possibly exist without, without an encapsulation of, of DNA, without some type of life, we cannot exist. And we cannot possibly exist without nurture, which is an environment. Nothing can exist without existing and nothing can exist without an environment. There, is, there, are, there are no things. So those two things are always integrated and they always exist together. Now, nature and nurture may have, uh, they, they, like all things, essentially, they exist on some type of a scale and, and they may impact us differently. But if you, if you only have two inputs into equa an equation and you ignore one of those completely, you're going to have a very tough time getting to the proper solution. And I realized that's a pretty big problem. So if, if you are a PhD working on, on human rights and you are missing 50% of the equation, that is a problem, but it's not a problem. Uh, you know, it's not on her effort. It's not on her intelligence. It's, it's, a, it's a problem that came from the fact that her education path never put her in the right position to have 50% of the equation of the problem she's trying to solve. And that's going to make solving those problems impossible. I believe that is an impossibility. So, so how does that relate to how, what on earth does that have to do with free will is the, is the, is a very fair question. Um, I think the crux of the matter with free will is um, we are living in a, in a, in a, in an experience of subjective reality, which means that we, we are feeling as if we have uh, the information, all, all access to information and all access to, to choice. And we can experience making choices, right? So if, if you go down a path that is about uh, human rights education and that becomes, that becomes your passion and pure thing, you feel as if you are given all of the possibilities of, of knowing about human rights because you've gone to this super elite school and you've taken in all of this super elite information from all of these super elite researchers. The reality is though, we are, we are living, uh, you, while, while as an individual, we are living in a subjective experience, we are living in a, in a very objective universe. And the experience of having, of having choice uh, doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily uh, mean that we have freedom of choice. So I'm going to get to all of this uh, <laughs> in a longer yeah. process, but let's start like, I just, let's just to start walking it through. Can you confirm that you have had the experience of making a choice? Like that is something that you, that you can do. I mean, my goodness, like I, I tend to think about this, these kinds of uh, philosophic questions in the most practical way possible, because yeah. I, uh, I have a good friend who just loves philosophy and his, uh, his whole life is sort of a mess. Um, so, <laughs> so it's interesting to see, and it's tragic, and it's interesting to see like... <clears throat> if you're playing too much with just the ideas and the art and like almost just like Plato's archetypes or something versus reality, um, 
there's a huge difference there. So do you have a choice? I mean, I sure you should probably act like you have a choice. I mean, you, you know, you could probably argue that people in some sense don't have, don't have a choice, but you do essentially you're, you're presented with at least a few options. Let's say, let's say fine. They're all sort of predetermined in some way, shape or form. There are still probably some choices that are, that are objectively better than others with respect to um, relieving suffering, uh, creating more meaning, creating more joy, things like that. So, so in a, in a very practical sense, uh, I'd say, sure. Yeah, we, we definitely have some kind of free choice, free will, right? So I think, so what, I, what, I, what I'm really excited about is I think this is a very practical, experiential, and, um, and logical. And I think, so it's a, it's, a, it's a path to get there, but I do think that we're going to practically walk down a logical path of, ex, of individual experience to get there. That, that is my dream here. So I would argue that we absolutely have a choice, right? I right now have no hands up. I could choose to lift my left or right hand. And that is, that is something I could consciously, I can do right now. Um, so I could lift my right hand and that, that happened and I did it and I could have lifted my left hand, but I lifted my right. Um, and I think, I think that that is a, that is the subjective experience is that I, I, I know, I feel that I had this opportunity to make a choice. So I want to I want to run through like a little deeper thought experiment here. And the first thing I want you to do is just clear your mind and then let any state, like think of any state, just any state in the United States that bubbles up and just like okay, so we have a state that pops up for me it's Missouri. I don't know why it's Missouri but it's Missouri. Um now, I want, we're going to do this a couple more times, but what I want, like the really important thing is that you actually observe how, how the idea comes to, from your subconscious into your conscious. So it's like, we're going to think of a state again, and I just want you to watch the, how that actually happens, how, we, how the, the, the thought of the state transitions from a place that we have no awareness of into a place where we have awareness of. So we're just going to think of another state and boom, it pops up. And we're like, okay, this, this, this idea of a state transferred over from a subconscious place into a conscious place. And then we, we're going to do that again, observing how this is happening. And we're just going to think of any city in the United States and the city in the United States just bubbles up and we're like, boom, Okay, from the subconscious to the conscious, and now I, I have a city. And then we're going to do this one more time, and we're going to observe how this pops up. And we're going to do this any city that is in England, and a city just bubbles up, right? For most of us, the city that bubbles up when we, when we say, think of a city in England is London. And, and if it wasn't London for you, it wasn't because you had free will. It was because you were exposed to other cities in England that weren't London. So you could not have possibly thought of a city in England that you weren't aware of. You can only think of those things that you are subconscious, that you have, your subconscious has collected and, and made a part of you. So did you get that? So, so I want to start with you, Joel. Did you mm -hmm. feel, did, were you able to observe how the thought bubbles up from 
this like this place of zero awareness into a place of awareness. Oh yeah. I mean, the state for me was Delaware and it's because I just sent a check to someone in <laughs> Delaware yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. I've never been to Delaware. I have no interest in Delaware. No offense right. to Delaware. Right. And, and but, it was the same thing with everything else you'd mentioned. I, I could just observe like, okay, it's, it's related to something I was thinking of or something from prior experience in life. And it has to be from something pr- from, from a prior experience in life. There's no way we can sure. think of something that we haven't had some type of prior awareness of. And that, that is a really, that is a really interesting, that's a really interesting component of this that, that becomes important. But I also, there's a, there's a deep, there's a deep question in this and we have to really determine at what point a thought becomes conscious. So the definition of subconscious is beyond our, beyond our awareness, right? Like there is, we, we, we have clearly defined that things that are going on in the subconscious portion of our brain, we are not aware of, but there is a moment in time when the subconscious offers up something and it just like, it presents it to us. It is just like, here's a new thing, but we have absolutely no control over what our subconscious presents us. And, and I think that that, that is the, that is the crux of where we start to get into this free will conversation. And, and, you can kind of think of that. There's a there's a, a pretty easy exercise that I can prove to you that you have no uh, you have no control over what pops up, and that will be bucket, goldfish, popcorn. So bucket, goldfish, popcorn. Now I want you to you can think of anything in the world, anything at all, but it cannot be bucket, goldfish, or popcorn. And we've already, we've already, we've, we've likely already got to the point where bucket goldfish or popcorn or bucket goldfish and popcorn have already popped up. So we don't have this control over what pops up from our subconscious, right? Like we have the, we have, we can have an awareness of what does pop up, but the things that are presented to us are not necessary, are not under our control at, at any point. Um, and to get like, to get a little, to get a little bit more practical of what that means. If I ask you, Joel, what is your favorite color? What would it be? Goodness. Uh, I don't have one. I suppose it's, it seems like a childish <laughs> thing. I, I really don't have one. I don't okay. Okay. Let me, <laughs> let me try we'll call this. It red. We'll call okay, it red. Let's call it red. That's perfect. So yeah. let's just say we have like, a, our favorite color is red, but it could be uh, essentially anything, right? There are essentially mm-hmm. infinite colors that could be shades of different colors, et cetera, et cetera. But if we lived in a world where, where we were only ever exposed to blue and green, and I asked you, Joel, what is your favorite color? You could sure. not possibly say red. You could only say either blue or green. And those guide rails are the, are the thing, those guide rails are the same thing that our subconscious offers us for what it presents to us. And by that, I mean, 
we roll back to this city thing, right? You can only, your subconscious is only a collection of the things that you have had some form of experience with. So you only Mm -hmm. can choose from the things that you have been exposed to. So, so your PhD friend that you're talking to, instead of maybe going to school and studying human rights, perhaps, are, are you getting at the point that the better path would have been for her to just travel as much as possible to get as many different experiences as possible that are outside of just a single kind of cultural program? And therefore, you'd have a larger set of potential possibilities to, to select from. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think what, in a way, I see where you're going. I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, yes. Right. In a way, absolutely. Absolutely. But also what I'm saying is she couldn't have possibly, she couldn't have possibly made any other decisions. Right. So the other, the, 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 I don't know if it's the final piece, but another very important piece in this is there are a, there is a chain of events that has led you to the, to the person you are today. And all of those things have already happened. And each one of those things that has happened, including where you were born, who you were born to, the, who those ancestors are, who those ancestors are, and who those ancestors are, those all impact every choice that you have the capacity to make. And, and so we, you mentioned earlier, you mentioned kind of this uh, Roman Greek timeline. And, and if, you, if, you are, if you were born in 300, if you were born any time before 300 AD, right, into Roman society, the, the, the possibility that you would be Christian is essentially zero. You would have been some type of Greco-Roman religion that that was very into spirits and that was very into to uh, God like Jupiter and and like there there was a very there was a very different thing. After 300 AD, if you were born into Roman society, it is almost 100 percent you were you were Christian. Now that has nothing to do with you, right? It has to do with w- you were born. You were born at this time in this place. The likelihood that you or I spoke uh, Japanese as our native language is essentially zero because we were born here, which means the likelihood that we could, we could interact with some Japanese Zen teacher who only speaks Japanese is essentially zero. The likely, but that is only because yeah. of where we were born, who we were born to. Oh, but I'm totally in control of whether I choose this political party or that political party. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think that whole thing's a genius trap too, where it's like, don't you understand? They're both sort of on the same side. Absolutely. (laughs) It's on the opposite side of you. Um, Yes, absolutely. And Uh and that again, right? Yeah. that That is a... that is the sensation of choice, the, the, objective, the objective experience of choice within an objective reality that you are, you are so limited, you are limited to two colors essentially. And then, and then as you said, 
those two colors are essentially working for the same people. So, so your, your objective experience of making choice is then this, this idea of so that it feels within you as if you were doing something, but the objective reality is that it's all the same and it all ends up being very similar in the end. And, and we're living, I mean, specifically this time we're living in, it's very, and just with the media and the technology available, we're living in a time where there's a real push towards people to pick a side and to cancel their friendships with people that are on the other side. And, uh, it, and that's a fascinating thing. I mean, I have a few friends from, uh, from childhood that I have, I guess, you know, you could say maybe significant differences within, in temperament and in views of what's happening today, but we can still have, we can have like a conversation where we, where we can come at this in a respectful way and I can actually not be a childish person, which it, sometimes I would tend to be and just, you know, just send me, send some, you know, memes or something and try to, you know, dunk on a person or whatever, but instead like really, really try to force myself to have some humility and understand that there's probably some stuff I don't know. And this person I'm talking with, knows things that I don't, and I should probably figure out what it is they know and maybe vice versa. Maybe I could potentially influence them a bit, but really my goal should be to seek understanding from, from them and, and to not just send childish memes. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you know, and with the free will, I mean, free will, I mean, we've talked about this before too, where it's, so, okay, you, you live back, you're born in Roman times and before a certain date, you believe in one, you know, one reality. And after a certain date, you, you believe in another one and, and you are a Christian or you're a Mohammedan or whatever it is. But today it's almost like people, people have really figured out the science of, of, and, and of creation of reality and, and the, the creation of that reality through language and through persuasion to, to a way that it is like weaponized science uh, mm. and psychology in a sense. And so that yep. really, it, it gives people this false sense of, of certainty and of a false sense of control. And I feel it and I see it in myself where I, I must be, I must be in control of my thoughts. I must know what mm-hmm. it is and what I think must be correct. And I'm on the right side of this thing, but mm-hmm. just the fact that they're trying to frame it so hard. Division, embarrassingly simplistic. Like it's such a, it's such an unsophisticated, unsophisticated racket that's being run on us. And yet it's working so damn well. It seems it like working. Or, yeah. or at least they're telling us that it's working well. And maybe we're believing that maybe it isn't working that well. Maybe there are a lot of people who have nuanced thoughts and opinions, but they, they don't want to share those in public because mm. the risk that that may present um, and you don't want to be confronted or challenged, but um, it's yeah. easy to, to be manipulated by the crowd, by politicians, by admin, and just by the culture at large here. And we are all 
So, so I, I think to expand upon that a little bit, my point, my point is that we are all manipulated. We are all constrained. The, the choices that we have are constrained by the experiences we've had personally and, and the experiences our ancestors have had, right? If, if my dad's great-grandfather hadn't left Ireland and come to the United States, my, the everything, I, I couldn't exist, right? I, don't, I do not exist yeah. if that doesn't happen. But everything within the, the lineage of my being is also dramatically different. So I, my life today, the reason I am sitting here today has to do with the fact that my dad's great-grandfather left Ireland and the fact that his, that his lineage made it to Ireland has to do the fact with the fact that his lineage and his great-grandfather left somewhere else and ended up on a crazy island that like is is a wild place. So if you're so, yeah, if you were still there, you'd be you'd you'd have to pick different sides to be Protestants or Catholics. Yes, yes, <laughs> well, a and, whole and, different set of yeah realities. And interesting enough, right? Like the the one of the most fascinating things about about the the. The, the battles in Ireland, these religious battles in Ireland, is they have turned off people to religion. Like Ireland is like one of the places where religion is dying the quickest, a place where there has been constant war over religion. People are just like, I'm done with it. I don't want this anymore. I don't want to be involved at all. And, and that wouldn't be happening if there hadn't been hundreds and hundreds of car bombings killing people over essentially the same ideologies. Now that doesn't happen everywhere, right? There are plenty of places where people are still battling about religion, but the fact that it's happening in Ireland has to do with all of the suffering that has gone on by people in the past. People would not be dropping religion the way they are if religious people hadn't been killing people the way they've been killing people in Ireland for so long. So my, 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 what I, what the, 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 you touched on this point, And I think I just want to click, I want to draw this, extrapolate this out a little bit more, which is the idea that we do, that our, that, that our thoughts are constrained by our experiences, that the, the subconscious can only present us things that we have awareness of means that everyone that you know is experiencing that same thing. And that if someone has uh, some thought bubbling up from their subconscious into a place of this like experiential portion of their brain, it doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person, right? It doesn't mean that they're a horrible being. It means that they've had a completely different past linkage of events that have created the ability to make choices for them today. And they are only presented with the choices that are available within the constraints of what their subconscious can present to them. And their subconscious can only present what they've been exposed to. So, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a set of compassion. There's, there is a deep seated compassion for humans within this idea that everyone is making choices. Yes, choices. Yes, but only from what they have available to make choices from. And if you were only given the choices of red or blue, you cannot possibly expect someone to make the choice of green because it's not a possibility within their brain. 
And that, uh, that, that level of awareness about others around us, I think is a huge, huge step forward in uh, connecting and like regrouping people into, into something that can be better. Yeah. I, I like where you've gone with that. Um, when I have these conversations with, with people and I'm taking the heretic position on something, often I'll say to them, look, I'm not completely possessed. I am teachable. Uh, I am willing to accept other ideas. And I think about, as you talk about this, you know, you have, you have these sets of choices available to you, but the sets of choices available to you are informed by your past. I mean, I think about how maybe the reasons that I tend to be a contrarian and a heretic goes back to probably my own childhood. Definitely, definitely in dealing with, um, uh, supposed experts and authorities when it came to uh, my oldest son uh, who's got autism and, and dealing with that and trying to help him as much as possible and just seeing the the absolute failure of like the the available you know cookie cutter solutions that are available mm-hmm. to you as a parent and so but then other people that I talk with, who maybe haven't had those experiences, maybe I should just have some empathy for them. It's like, well, they just, they're just living their life. They just want to be happy. And maybe I'm the a-hole because I'm always like looking for, looking for what's wrong, looking for what can be improved. Um, that's a, that's a fascinating thing. Um, I'm trying to think of where to take this from here. There's this, there's a, a, a great book. Uh, there's a few interesting books around this. One is a, a book called It Didn't Start With You, How Inherited Family Trauma Shapes Who We Are and something like and How to Break That Cycle, something like that. I haven't read that book. Someone mentioned it to me uh, because of something that their, their spouse had been dealing with, but you really can see how it's not Okay, fine. So I'll, I'll accept what you say, Patrick. We've got like a limited range of choices here. Let's accept that. Totally buy it. I can see it. Um, so to get to a book and an author and a speaker that you like, um, what's his name? Uh, Sadhguru. Sadhguru, yeah. right? Yeah. So I had this book just to, just to, just for the people listening here. I had this book on my on my phone on Audible. I sent a screen cap to to you, Patrick. I was like, hey, is this the guy you've been talking about? <laughs> I've got this book, uh, Inner Engineering. Inner Engineering, yeah. <clears throat> and so I started listening to that again after, after you'd mentioned this topic of, of free will. He talks in there about responsibility yeah. and what that word means and what it means. It's not a drag. Responsibility isn't like, oh, I've got to take out the trash, which you do. And I've got to and feed the family and feed myself and clean the toilet. Sure, it's all that stuff, but responsibility, responsible, response able. You are able mm-hmm. to respond. And so fine, let's say you do have a limited number of ways to respond to something. That's definitely true. And some people have a much larger range than others because of their experiences. But 
we all need to at least decide at some point or work on becoming more able to respond mm-hmm. uh, to to make things better. Mm-hmm. So, what and are your what, thoughts on that? You know, you know way more about him than I do. What are your thoughts on all of this? So, so one of the things that I've loved about uh, studying this um, from both a biological perspective and a spiritual perspective, right, is that you are hundred percent right. Like you can, you can read the like biological uh, components from Sam Harris and you can read the spiritual components from Sakuru and they both work perfectly with this, with this idea of free will. And that I think is really important. I think the, the most important thing about that piece from Sakuru is this, this ability to respond and the thing that took me, it took me a year to, to understand that concept, right? Because what, what Sakuru says literally is you are responsible for everything. And, and he means like you, Patrick Brennan, are responsible for World War II. And um, how, like, how that, this thing that existed before I was alive, uh, I have, I have a, a, any type of responsibility for feels really hard to integrate into, into your brain, or it felt really hard for me to integrate into my brain. But the ability to respond to something, which is, which is something we all have, and not only something we have, but something we want. Like, I think this actually answers the idea of why this is such a sensitive topic, is because people will, 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 will hear this idea of you don't have free will, and they think it is therefore restraining their ability to respond. And while it is defined, while it is saying there is a defined set of parameters, which with you can respond from, it is not saying you can't respond. It is saying, it is saying that you have a certain set of skills. You have a certain set of ability. You have a certain set of recognition that you can choose to respond from. And it's the, the sensation of responding that is actually equivalent to freedom, right? That's the thing Sakuru says. It's like, hey, if, if we wanted to torture you, we would just put you in a place where you have, we would tie you up and you have no ability to respond to things that are happening. The, the worst thing you can do to someone is take away their ability to, to respond to the things that are happening within their life, right? If we tied you up, put you on a computer screen and just like made you watch that horrible things were happening, you would feel terrible. But if you had the ability to get up and do something, you would feel better. Like the ability to get up and take action, to, to do things that, to do things um, to impact the way things are happening is pure freedom. And that, that is the, that is, I think, that is the point that I took out of a year of, of thinking about uh, what Satguru really meant when he said, hey, you are responsible for everything, not just on this world, in this universe, in, in the universe that you are not even yet aware of, you have the ability to respond to those things as soon as they become part of your awareness. So, yeah, it's... That is a hard, that is a hard concept. I think uh, the ability to respond is so important. I mean, if, if you just cartoonify this whole thing and say, well, okay, I have no free will, then it's not my responsibility. What I do, I can just let my vices uh, run, you know, run rampant all over 
my life. That's, uh, that's probably a horrible thing as well. Um, I, that, that was another thing I was thinking about as you mentioned this topic was, um, was what happens if you, in just a simplified way, accept that you have no free will? Does that, that may just give you this, uh, this excuse to, to just, you know, give in to your selfish impulses. And, and that certainly is not what this is about at all. Um, it's the opposite. And yet, yeah, it's for sure. And yet in some ways to like, to recognize that you still in some sense don't have control over everything. And, and you've got a lot of biology, you got millions of years of biology informing your impulses. And so I think there's something to be said for like a bit of self-acceptance with where you are at, with what potential options you have to respond with and whatever your vices are to maybe give some thought to those, decide if they are something you can manage if they're okay, or if they are ultimately destructive Mm -hmm. and I mean, there's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Every culture, you know, you, you talk about your Irish heritage. I, I have some of that as well, you know, Western European uh, descendants and all of that. And every culture though has different, different vices, I would say, and different ways of handling the human condition. We have, you know, the, the cartoonified Irish people, they all drink. Maybe some of them are bards who like to, rant and rave all the time as well mm-hmm. uh, about these ideas um i don't know what how did so we've been talking about like working towards these higher ideals mm-hmm. with our responses but what are your thoughts on on managing the shat your shadow material and maybe your vices and all of that with respect to free will or fate as it is. Yeah. So, so I think that, so I, I, I think there is a huge difference between fatalism and, and determinism. Right. And, and mm. what, what I mean, determinism is like we can make choices from a predetermined range of, of available choices. But what, what, why this understanding of free will is really important is it doesn't free you from the fact that you do make choices. You do make choices. They are just constrained by what you have available. But the understanding of that also implies that every single choice you make is going to have an impact on how the, the potential of your future choices. So it doesn't free you from the responsibility of making good choices, right? You can't just say, oh, there's no free will. So I can, I can, whatever I can, I can smoke weed all day and just like party it up. Like wh- whoever, right. Coolio. I don't know if Coolio smokes weed or not, but let's hope he Snoop, does. man. Snoop. <laughs> yes. Come on. Right. Like, so, so it doesn't free you. It doesn't free you from the, the possibility. I wanted Afro man. That's who I was looking for. Cause he has the, the song, right? So I was going for Afro man. That's where I was trying to nice. get, but my brain couldn't get there. <laughs> but so my point, my point is that every choice you make, even though the parameters of that choice were constrained, the next choice will be impacted by the previous choice. 
Now you can only make the choice in the moment from this constrained place. But if, if that constrained place pushes you just a little bit further in one direction or the other, or expands you in a little bit more, the, the constraint upon the next choice will be different. And it may be a larger constraint and maybe a smaller constraint. So if you are constantly making choices that are, that are shrinking your position, and this is the thing that I wasn't headed towards, but I think you brought it up and it's really valuable, is that if you are constantly making choices that are shrinking your field of vision, that are shrinking your awareness, the choices, the, the, the space that you can make choice from will be getting smaller and smaller and smaller and, and will be more and more directed in whatever direction you have pointed yourself into. So there's not like, it doesn't absolve the responsibility of choice. It makes the responsibility of choice even more important to understand that you don't have freedom of any choice. You have freedom of what you've made available to you and what has been made available to you previous to anything you've ever done. Yeah, I I like this. Um, You know, the thing, the thing that I took away from that that responsibility and able to respond rant from Sadhguru was had to do with reality creation really for, uh, for yourself, for your life and and for those around you as well, that, that the real game here is, is reality creation. And maybe, you know, and you have a, a limited set, I guess, of choices to some degree, uh, you know, determinism, all that. But I definitely see that as I've been pushing that, um, that reality creation over the past several years, I can see how it is expanding available choices uh, to a larger degree. And, and that's, a, that's a pretty incredible thing. It doesn't happen, it doesn't happen overnight, but just to, to accept that, to take that responsibility on. Yeah. And it's a very, I would say it's like a very, it's like a very, almost like a psychedelic kind of reality to inhabit, to just, to just realize in some ways that you can manifest things like the manifestation takes time. Thank Mm -hmm. God it takes time because if it happened immediately, all the, all like the garbage negative thoughts in my head would just like mean that I was just dead in like half a second. (laughs) like, so thank, so thank God it takes a while for you to manifest what it is you want. And even if you're moving in the wrong direction, thank God it, you know, that doesn't immediately manifest itself. And maybe you have time to pull yourself out of a nosedive or out of a a dark alleyway. Um, But it is such a powerful thing. And I think that they would, that the kind of the controlling components of the culture would like you to just pick a side and not really do much else, not really think about things very deeply um, because that certainly is a painful and oftentimes disillusioning uh, exercise to engage in. And it's going to, in some ways, separate you from other people um, if you're not careful, because then you can, uh, it's harder to relate. You're, you you've now focused yourself where you have a there's a smaller group of people who have those interests and who you can relate with. You can't have these types of conversations with everyone. 
not everyone wants to have them. And as you said, and as your experience, I guess, has informed you, some people just really do not like it. They recoil from that. And then that, that really can, I mean, I have seen this, I've seen this in the, in like the headlines of the culture where it's like, Oh, this famous person had to cancel their friendships with other people because of their, their views or what they did with Mm -hmm. their own body and stuff. And it's like, this is a fascinating thing where I really, I almost feel like they would like this. They would like this to happen. They would like the division and I use they, I know that's so silly and cartoonified, but it's real. Like there is some kind of, there's something here, whether it's intentional or just a, uh, an emergent property of social media and of people's tendencies. But this division is getting so much stronger. And so yeah. your ability to respond to that in a way where you create a reality that is more connected, more growth oriented, more and it gives you more optionality in your life. Uh, it's so important. It's so important yeah. today. I think it's interesting because we've essentially made it back to the question that started today's podcast, which is like, what can you do? And I think, I think maybe, oh, maybe I have a better answer now, which is like, think about the ways that you can um, be constructive in, in disagreements. Think about the ways that you can be inclusive in in ideologies, and um, maybe within disagreement, start out by uh, finding out where the what what actually aligns and agrees, right? Because the the reality is most of us probably have pretty similar desires, um, and we may have different thoughts on the paths to get to those desires. But I I do believe that the majority of humans want pretty similar things. And that is because of uh, evolutionary biology, we have very similar uh, needs. (laughs) Our brains are designed to to want very similar things. So we likely, uh, we likely all want pretty similar things, but we may have uh, been exposed to different paths to get there. So I think it helps. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it helps to, to determine some kind of ideal or some kind of goal. It can be small, it can be large, but then instead of demanding that others create that, you should actually figure out how do you do that yourself in some small way? Uh, Because that is, that is the hardest, but most effective thing to do. Um, if you're asking for the solution from the authorities, they'll have a solution for you. You, pr- you really won't like it once it's delivered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you really won't, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see that. You can just see that everywhere. I mean, oftentimes you have a large-scale complex social system and whatever the thing is, uh, whatever the name of the thing is, it's going to have the opposite of the intended uh, consequence almost always just almost yes. always and you even i mean if you're just really cynical you look at like the names of you know d- different government bills bill uh, for you, sure you, first thing you look that comes at the, to mind you look at the patriot act hilarious mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, things like that i mean you look at anything you just look at the name of it it will have the opposite of the intended consequence almost always and so and so to i think to demand 
to demand that others do it for you is probably something maybe we even just get from childhood imprinting where, yeah, mom's going to do it for us. Dad is going to take care of it. Grandma's going to take care of it for us. Big brother, big sister's going to do it for us. The teacher's going to do it for us. Um, but trying to actually push towards something yourself, uh, hard as hell, way more exciting though, way more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel like we, do you feel like we've left any, any giant gaps? Probably. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think I'm, I don't think I don't think I'm even smart enough to know that, right? Or self-aware to know that, right? And it's deterministic, right? I've got, I've got yeah. just a small window of experience, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm sure there are people listening to this just screaming right now, thinking, "Ah, you've you've missed this, you've missed that." So we have. So please yeah. leave a question or or That's let true. us know. Yeah, yeah. Here's, here's the follow-up on that. If we if we've left if we've left giant gaps, it would be fun to uh, know where they are. Yeah. Any, so what any last? Gonna- tell me. Hey, you know, you've been, you've been mentioned, you've been getting, um, you've been getting more requests for different episode topics. So that's great. I think we're going to do that. We'll do a, uh, a listener requested theme for the next episode. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That'd be fun. (laughs) Yeah. Listener requests on themes, uh, are great. Hey, yeah. What a, what a fun, what a fun opportunity to talk about something that somebody wants to hear about. Joel, thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Ah, cool. <laughs> All right, man. That was good. That was pretty good. I yeah, that 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 was an interesting, um, very, very interesting, very different, very different experience for me. I think it went a different yeah. direction than you expected. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, which I like. I like. I don't like good. being in charge of it. It's good. <laughs> Uh, cool any anything good going on in your world all sorts of things i guess yeah um yeah man it's all it's all good right now uh lots of rain taking people out in the woods teaching them how to identify different edible mushrooms so that's good i gotta pass that that. along i want i want to get on your schedule (laughs) yeah well you (laughs) i mean you're out there what have you got you got aspens you got ponderosas it's mostly or, aspen and we're mostly pinion uh, where i am yeah i have no idea i mean if you're out there and you see stuff and you don't take know what picture. it is t- take pictures and then Shoot. i can at least get a sense for what you have out there okay and i can go from there okay i'll yeah. do that yeah, man. <laughs> i will do that Cool, man. Well, enjoy the heck out of the weekend. We'll uh, we'll touch yeah. base soon, I'm sure. All right, sounds good. Thank you. All right, see you, Patrick. See ya.